So we're here at Fortune Kit HQ with Patrick Stickles, the guy from Titus Andronicus. Here I am. And I was, I was just saying it'd be funny on a tour rider to ask for O'Doul's and whiskey and make a mixed drink out of that. But Patrick, you were saying you've actually done that already. Right. Well, uh, I used to, I once invented a, a drink called the O'Doul's Bomb. Because you've heard of like Jaeger bombs and stuff, but with this oh, drink, we sure have. With this drink, you drop the shot into half a pint of O'Doul's. We just finished reading Tommy Lee's book, and he's probably the number one fan of Jaeger in the entire world. Obsessed with it. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever met Tommy Lee? Have I? No. I've never even seen any of his movies. His movies. <laughs> His one movie. He's got a very, you know, yeah, very famous movie. Criterion Collection. Yeah. <laughs> Cinematic landmark. One of my favorite boat movies. There's that. There's Master and Commander. There's Titanic. Jaws. Uh, Jaws, definitely Jaws. The Poseidon Adventure, and then the Tommy Lee sex tape. Well, it did. It was a cultural, you know, groundbreaking moment in normalizing the celebrity sex tapes that's elevated so many superstars over the past however long that's it's true. been, 20 years. They don't film themselves doing it's it. It's also anymore. the original OnlyFans. I should get it's not it's not like OnlyFans because they didn't get any money from it. Wasn't there a lawsuit or something? There was yeah. there was a massive lawsuit. Um and not the only thing that was massive. Yeah, it's true. Hey. Apparently apparently there's a there's like a TV series coming out, like produced by Seth Rogan, where Seth Rogan plays the guy that steals the tape and uh and releases it. To the public. Oh yeah, that's what everybody needs. That's what the world wants right now is uh, is a Tommy Lee miniseries on HBO Max. Well, it's sort of a return to normalcy thing. Everybody's in the mood for nostalgia. Yeah, Even including us, because we just spent the last month of this show reading Tommy Lee's fucking book, and the first thing we do now that we can do a normal episode again <laughs> is just start talking about Tommy Lee. We can't. Yeah. We're stuck. It's a it's a lament configuration. We can't get out. You know. We're stuck in the Tommy Lee zone. We're in Tommy land forever. Have you ever met Dave Navarro? Am I the am I the guy who these did you ever meet questions are directed towards? Yeah. <laughs> yes. you, you three all know who you've all met. Yeah. I've yes. never yeah. I haven't met many famous people. I know the guy from Weezer, and that's it. And you, Dan, of course. You're my second most famous acquaintance. Uh. Wow. I don't run into too many famous people. I'm not that famous myself. That's probably why. You need to, yeah, same you need here. to try to open for uh, Motley Crue whenever they reunite. I met Ed Koch, the former mayor of New York City, at a book signing. What? Oh, I was hoping he was at a Titus Andronicus show. No, but Julia Stiles <laughs> of Save the Last Dance and 10 Things I Hate About You, she came to a Titus Andronicus show once. Nice. I met Drew Barrymore sort of at a Wolf Parade show. And uh, she had somehow gotten, well, she got it backstage because she's Drew Barrymore. And she was dating uh, Fabrizia from The Strokes at that point. Oh, yeah. And uh, I walked into the back, I walked into the backstage after the show and she looked at me, she was mid-conversation and she looked at me like, "What? who the fuck are you? What are you doing here? So I, I walked out. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, That's gross. actually a good point. You have tattoos. A more famous person should be allowed to commandeer a green room from the band that's playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in my in her defense, I looked like absolute dog shit. So, 
Dan, did you ever date Winona Ryder? I never once dated <laughs> Winona Ryder. <laughs> not even a date, not even coffee. No, not even not even a coffee. Not even one date. Yeah. Wow. Well, she doesn't age, so she you haven't missed any opportunities. She Great actress. Frozen in time. Fantastic actress. Tremendous yeah, talent. Join us next week when our guest will be Renona, Winona Ryder. <laughs> I'm going to grill her on shoplifting. What the fuck is wrong with you? Why did you steal those blouses in 2002? <laughs> did you guys read the uh, Paul Stanley autobiography? Unmasked or exposed? No, do we need to? I thought it was great. And I read the Ace Freely biography as well, and that was terrible. That's kind of unsurprising. Paul Stanley also did it without any co-writers. I don't know who wrote the Tommy Lee book, but Paul Stanley wrote his own well, book. The, the guy Possibly who co-wrote him. it clearly didn't uh, intervene very much because it was very poorly written. I mean, there yeah. was a whole chapter about Jaeger, so there was not a whole lot of editing going on. Yeah, pretty minimal, just... Uh Translating it from crayon to pen. That's about it. The Ace Freely book had two co-writers. And even then, on every page, Ace says, uh, I'm not saying it was a good thing or a bad thing. It's just the way it was. <laughs> That's his oh, ex God. explanation for everything. Amazing. <laughs> He's Man. being objective. He's an objectivist, yeah. Is there a Peter Chris book? They all have books, I think. But uh, I'm sure Gene Simmons has a book. My friend Chris, who the, plays the drums in Titus Andronicus, he read the Peter Chris book and said it was a lot. Peter talked a lot about his penis in it. He's known to have a large penis. Oh, so that's probably the most like the Tommy Lee book then. Not you said you a, know the guy no from rush. Weezer. What's that? You said you know the guy from Weezer. Yeah, that's right. I did a track with I've... him about 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, what a thrill. Nice guy. I've heard that. You should talk to him about that, about because he knows about Ace Freely and Peter Chris. Yeah, he loves Kiss and all kinds it, of hair metal bands. He started he only out has in hair metal. Posters of half of that band. Is it because those are the guys with the biggest penises? <laughs> I don't know. Ace didn't talk about the size of his penis in the book very much. What kind of book is that? It was, well, Gene it was, Simmons. Hmm. He's got the tongue thing. He's yeah, compensating that, for something. If we could get it would Gene, be funny if he had a really small <laughs> penis and it was all tongue. Gene Simmons' <laughs> tongue and uh, and Peter Chris's penis, that would be the perfect man. <laughs> that would be like a subject for Michelangelo right there. <laughs> Peter Chris went missing at one point. They thought he, he was homeless or something. And he still is. They couldn't find him. There was like some homeless guy pretending to be Peter Chris, and then the real Peter Chris had to come out and say, "That's not me." I've just I've just been hiding. <laughs> Well, isn't it true that like when Kiss was had never like when back when they never appeared without their makeup, that people would claim that they were the guys from Kiss and people wouldn't know because they didn't really know what Kiss looked like. Oh, that's funny. If they did, they would have said you're too good looking to be Kiss. Pete, Paul Stanley is a good looking guy. Makeup. Yeah, Paul Stanley's a good looking guy. Gene Simmons, not so much. Not, yeah, not so much. Ace doesn't look great either. But they all look yeah. better than Mick Mars. That's the guy's name, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so if you're pretending to be Kiss, what are you getting out of it? Are you getting like... You're getting, you're getting laid and you're getting free drugs and drinks and you're partying. 
Oh, I was thinking you could just like cut the line at the grocery store or something, but that's a lot better use of it, I guess. I was thinking like like a free burger at Denny's or something. Yeah. Hey, just so you know, I'm in Kiss. <laughs> so I would like to upgrade to the Grand Slam. <laughs> and uh, this one's on the house, right? Thanks. Comp, comp my Grand Slam because I'm Ace Freely. You just don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Kiss had like a burger or something on the like. Remember that Denny's menu we looked at in one episode, like the Rockstar menu. Oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Kiss had one of those. I'm sure there was a Kiss restaurant at one point. Yeah. Well, Bill Bill Wyman from the Rolling Stones had that burger restaurant, Sticky Fingers. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so cheesy. Goddamn. <laughs> oh, he was like a, he was an entrepreneur. The least essential member. He's the drummer? Bassist. Bassist. All right. There you go. I think, Patrick, you got to follow in those guys' footsteps. You got to open the most shameless Titus Andronicus businesses you could think of. A civil war restaurant. I've I've done done it already. The business couldn't be more shameless as it is. (laughs) (laughs) What else did the, like, horse meat from the battlefield? Uh, Hardtack, probably. Um... Bannock, like just bread cooked on a stick over a fire. Um, Maybe yeah. some acorns. Grass. <laughs> uh, laudanum, probably. Leather? They probably ate leather. Dirt. You could sell that stuff at a restaurant. Yeah. And then the way you spin the menu is that it's all foraged, locally foraged. You know who didn't eat anything? Confederate POWs. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, in your opinion, which side should have won the Civil War? Um, well, you know, just to be clear, I've done a lot of records about other topics. This was about <laughs> 10, or t- 10 or 11 or 12 years ago when I did most of my studying on this. this I'm, I'm trying to be like the worst journalist. Like, I had to imagine that like after you put that album out, every fucking interview was just like people who barely listened to it being like, so what do you think of the Civil War, huh? Yeah, Good, I think bad? My, my feelings on it, I think I made plain in the lyrics. But that's not, a, you know, you can't say that. Yeah, you got to just reading, roll with it. Like, yeah, well, hmm. I was reading an interview with you where you rank your albums. I yes. forget where it was. And Probably that was Vice. like number four. Yeah, I was trying Which to I be was like, a, I, was, I was trying to be like a pain in the ass, you know, <laughs> trying to be like a contrarian, like grab my narrative by the short hairs and like twist it the way I want. I thought it was very candid. Well, thanks. You know, I just wanted to be a smart ass. Well, I hope number one was like either the album you were promoting when you did that or like a random seven inch. Well, no, they, they're smart. They don't let you put the whatever you're plugging in the ranking. Oh, come on. I mean, what if that's your favorite one? It's always your favorite one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's understood. It's like, it's automatically ranked at zero, but zero is the best. (laughs) Yeah. It's the infinite. Number one was the most lamentable tragedy, which is good. I was just listening to it, in fact. Thank you. My, My Titus Andronicus thing is, the monitor is definitely like, the big classic, but I think local business is more fun to just listen to. It's like less like heavy, like less of like emotionally a heavy thing. You know what I mean? Like local business is the one I'm still going to throw on randomly from time to time and just enjoy it. I I appreciate hearing you say that. I have my own issues with that one. 
that wouldn't make it so fun for me to throw on. But that's okay because it's not for me. It's for you and the rest exactly, of the Exactly, yeah. It's out there in the world, you know. It doesn't it's not my property anymore. It's literally not my property. I don't oh, I don't know really? I don't know I, I don't own the masters. Oh fuck, that sucks, dude. Is it only that album or we're probably opening a can of worms. Oh but, you know, <laughs> art, art, artists don't always own their masters, especially not when they sign their record contract when they're like twenty two. But that's yeah. a, oh that's I gotcha. a, that's okay though. Or when they yeah, I gotcha. or when they sign their record contract in their mid thirties and it's with the Canadian label and uh, that Canadian label doesn't distribute the record at all, but you still can't get the record back. Well, that's what you that's what you get trying to do business in Canada. Yeah, yeah. You gotta that's come down. Yeah, you gotta come to the come to the land of the free where you can get exploited like Patrick instead of like <laughs> that's yourself. That's right. When we get exactly. the real real deal capitalism raw and uncut. <laughs> Yeah, we got this uh, public-private partnership here going on. That just, lefty uh, pinko shit up there. Worst of yeah. both. Worst <laughs> of both worlds. You can't. You can't do nothing up in Canada. I do love. Uh, I do love the country. I have to say. Was looking it's, forward to hanging out there a lot this year, but then of course I didn't. Yeah, how have you been doing? I mean, like you're like one of the only guys who tours more than Dan, probably. So yeah, but I don't, sure I don't go to like, like the former Yugoslavia or like <laughs> yeah, for sure. Bosnia or Kosovo. But you're or like, like all always the places. on the road, dude. I, I try to be. I used to be. Obviously not now, but that doesn't make me special. Yeah. It's that, the but, well, how, how is that for you, though, like uh, readjusting, you know? I was, I was pretty bummed about it for a while there, for like six or seven months. And then that, you know, as these sorts of ongoing, traumatic, painful things do, it just kind of dulled to like just a numb kind of flat line yeah. sort of thing. You just kind of rolling with it then, just like in like stasis or whatever? I guess so. Like, you know, it was one of those things like, of course, uh, like everybody else, I said, um, oh, well, now that I'm not doing any gigs, I'm just going to write like a hundred classic songs. <laughs> <laughs> and naturally, that was did not shake out. Yeah. So then it was like, I, I guess I'll I'll just count the minutes until five o'clock when I can start getting drunk. Yeah, exactly, yeah. dude. <laughs> I've had I've had the thing exactly what you described, Patrick, of of like crushing disappointment right away, kind of like ambient terror about um my income and my job because you know we both of us we basically been doing this our entire adult lives, right? Like being on the road. Yeah. And living hand to mouth, paycheck yes. to paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and I had figured out a way to make it work and was, you know, in, within a five year range of just getting comfortable. So, and then I went through the depression and then acceptance. And now I'm on to another stage, which is the, 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 the absolute sadness is back again. And I, I, I was watching like live footage of, I can't remember what, I think it was like a live Beck concert or something on YouTube the other, the <laughs> other night. And even that bummed me out. I was, I was just the feeling of being on stage, being in front of people performing. It, it almost, it almost made me cry. And I was watching, yeah, I was watching Beck play loser. In like 1991, <laughs> you gotta watch bad concerts. You gotta watch the one where the Kings of oh, Leon it got was shit bad. on by it the was birds. Terrible. Like, oh yeah, in St. Louis, <laughs> or yeah. the uh, puddle of mud concerts where he falls asleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I miss I miss traveling. Uh, I miss getting out of Montreal. 
So I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully I slide back into the acceptance phase again. It's a pretty cold place to hole up. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I, I remember, what I miss most of all is, you know, how, uh, Dan, I'm sure you will agree that like, there's like a latent, like part of your personality of your identity that like lies dormant most of the time and only comes to the surface when you get in front of the audience. And I've That's really right. like, when I started to realize that and like, uh, understand like how much that part of my personality and my identity had like become atrophied, that was like a sad realization. And then like, of course, you know, the uncertainty, the dreadful uncertainty of the future, like when will we be able to access these things again? Exactly. It's like, um, it's like not working out, you know, or not doing any physical activity. Uh, you, you, you worry that you worry that you're just not going to be able to turn it on again, that you're going to be, uh, perf- you know, flabby in a performative sense. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to come back like Michael Jordan wearing 45. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're going to walk on stage. You're going to step up to the microphone and trip over it, fall directly into the crowd. Uh, your guitar is going to get stuck in the crack of your fucking ass. Uh, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be a disaster. You're going to open your mouth and just squeaking will come out. That happens occasionally anyway. So yeah. what if you were playing a show and your guitar got stuck in your ass and then you (laughs) farted and it somehow played the most beautiful note of all time? See that that's what I would call peak performance. And that would be a great thing to be your thing that you have to do at every show then. Now I'm thinking about a guy who does that on stage all the time and has lost it during the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Every time he goes up there, he just shits all over the guitar. Yeah. Just... It's a very specific diet that allowed him to do it. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to always rent from the local video store this Faith No More concert film that they'd done in like 1990. And at one point, Mike Patton puts the microphone at his, up to his asshole and rips a loud fart. <laughs> well, joke's then, on him because he has to put it up to his mouth. Right. That's the other thing about this uh, this whole crisis, this pandemic, is I'm really concerned about when we can be able to do karaoke again. I feel like that's going to be the last thing to come back because of all the yeah, saliva and stuff. Yeah. I don't know if you guys like to do that, but I like doing it very much, or I used to. Dude, I love karaoke. I love... Um Karaoke, though, where you get a private room with your friends so you can just be extremely obnoxious. Yeah, that's that's kind of my favorite, too. Love yeah, that man. shit. I don't think I've ever done it. Ah, oh, dude, it's so good. It's great. The best thing about doing karaoke in a private room is that you can oscillate wildly between completely serious, like, cover of a song to incredibly stupid rendition of a song, just, like, back and forth, like, whiplash. I don't like the private room very much because, like, I want to, you know... I want to get up in front of the strangers and like, and hopefully win them over, <laughs> stretch the <laughs> yeah. muscles that way, you know, like as a, as an entertainer and a rock star, like I want to feel like I could rock any room in the world. Yeah. One patron. I, I would, I would take rocking any room at this point. I would, I would also rock any room, uh, given to me, any room that I think about rooms that I've turned down the opportunity to rock in and I feel foolish, you know, I th- that makes me think of, I don't think I've ever told this story on a podcast of, uh, after for E1, after we did like our first live show, 
and we had done like the poets characters and all this shit. Uh, the next day me and Andrew went to the Lagunitas brewery and they had this open mic that was for like completely serious, like people's actual poetry. <laughs> and Andrew was like, Andrew's just like, I'm going to do it. And he signed up on like the order to like go up and just read his joke poems. But he went up there like, this is not a joke. This is completely serious. And then just went into the most like, you know, ridiculous, stupid shit that we had done the night before. And everyone was just like dead silent for the first like three or four minutes. And then eventually everyone started laughing. And it was like, yeah, I respected him so much for doing that. It's like, it's like karaoke, but even more confrontational. It's like much more confrontational than a public karaoke of just like intentionally messing with people's expectations. Well, it's poetry, so it's hard to tell what's bad and what's bad on purpose. Yeah, exactly. And especially after sitting through a lot of people being just dead serious and like bearing their soul for him to come up there and just do a poem called like beat my ass or whatever. Yeah, at a brewery. Very, yeah. <laughs> it's very bizarre. Like, what, what kind of poems were those? That's where they discovered <laughs> that was, woman who was at the inauguration. Yeah. <laughs> the Lagunitas brewery poetry reading. Poetry, having quite the moment here in America now. People are coming around thinking it's cool again. That'll, oh, end, that'll end well, I'm sure. It's got to be stopped, yeah. man. It's, for anyone who lived through you know, the Poetry Slam era, um, there's only one exit on this road, and it fucking sucks. You just can't, do, you just can't write poems. Yeah, just don't do it. Yeah, just the second write, we got rid of the most just masculine president of all time, yeah. Donald Trump, poetry comes back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he was he had a, he embodied a certain type of masculinity not the kind i would want to see in an old cowboy movie but i would love to see him in an old cowboy movie yeah me too actually just i want to see walk. blazing saddles where he's the sheriff <laughs> home alone three home alone on the range perhaps <laughs> i remember renting the real home alone three not very good they got a different kid because the original one got too big it's his it brother, as good though, as the original right? kid. No, it was a random kid. Not a Culkin? No, he was a brunette. There's, there's so think, many of them. So. Yeah, there's like a fucking brood of Culkins. They can't, can't get an Olsen twin for that? What's the problem? Alex D. Linz, that's his name. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm sure he's going to have a lot of fun when his Google alert comes up when this is released. <laughs> he's an <laughs> urban planner. Hmm. Does that mean like he dropped out of architect school? <laughs> I don't know. He got a master's degree in urban and regional planning at UCLA. Uh, a legal researcher. What are we talking about? Is it because he was home alone? He's like, I could design a home. I could design a whole fucking city. We're talking about poetry making its big comeback. Oh, now, yeah, that's right. Now, now that the, uh, the, the, the Cheeto is out. Do you guys feel any different? Does it feel different? Is the, is it a new dawn in America? A little bit. It already felt like that after that riot, because the news sort of decided we're not going to say Donald Trump anymore. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. he disappeared from the news, and it's still like that. It, but now, more than ever, I want to know what he's thinking and what he's up to. Me, yeah, me too. Like, let him yeah, back. I, I want to know. What, what, like, he's got to be having the worst time of his life. This is when I want to hear him. You gotta yeah, sign up for one of his parlor burner accounts. Yeah. Isn't parlor down or did it come back up? They got rid of it. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's over. But think of all the think of all the posts, the great uh, Donald Trump had pain posts that were being denied because he always posts best when he's under pressure, you know, for when, sure when he's feeling bad. And but he's so good at deluding himself that I can't tell how bad he actually feels. He's got to feel bad, but like he might just have found something else to occupy himself and like obsess over, you know? Yeah. Renovating Mar-a-Lago. I think that's his, his new obsession. Golf. Or just someone to be mad at like Graydon Carter or whatever. Maybe he can be <laughs> mad at his seven foot tall teenage son. He's yeah. too big. Take it all out on Baron. That'd Poor be Baron. <laughs> He's obsessed with fabric swatches and stuff. It's interesting. They were talking about that uh, earlier today about the Air Force One paint job. They're trying to do a hit job on him by uh, taking a dig at him with that. But in, uh, in uh, The Reactionary Mind by Corey Robin, there's a big part about that, about Donald Trump and how he's obsessed with, like, not buildings or structures, but, like, the specific material of a railing or what kind of gold plating is on something. Like, materials. Surf- yeah, that makes surface sense. detail. He's, like, literally, like, the most gilded... Literally gilded, like, president or just public figure. Are you driving? <laughs> Who's in a train yard? Oh, I'm sitting by my window. I live in New York City. You know, it's a noisy place. Oh, I have that same shit. I have a mountain right next to my uh, apartment complex, and trucks have to gun it. It's like, and even with the window closed, it's always on the mic. A mountain. Not a hill. I guess it's a hill. The incline. It's called the incline. <laughs> what What's the definition about? of a hill? What's the definition of a hill versus a mountain? Now we got to know about how big this hill is. It's called the decline. Hill Welcome back to versus... the No Effects podcast. <laughs> Where we go album by album through the No Effects discography. They had a great news story where uh, after the Mandalay Bay shooting, they said <laughs> on stage, at least it was country fans and not punk fans. Very cool. I think they got dropped by the record <laughs> label or something, but it was funny how it was funny how back in the old warp tour days that no effects like when the Christian like metalcore bands would get together for their prayer circle that no effects would go and like throw stink bombs and stuff at them. That's I respect good. That. <laughs> yeah, what a bad era. All those Christian metalcore bands with like the white jeans. Side big side swept bangs for Christ. Get that yes. out of here. That's yeah. not punk. That seems to have completely evaporated. Like if that if Christian metalcore exists, I haven't I haven't seen it in a very long time. Yeah, it definitely doesn't exist now because that was very dependent on shows and on uh, utilizing church spaces that other bands couldn't. Right, faith like, fast. Being able to piggyback like, on that shit. Uh, but if that's not uh, going on. No one's uh, getting into new Christian bands streaming. They've got that Justin Bieber church, though. That's uh, not, that's not oh, metalcore. Yeah. Hillsong. That's youth that's outreach. Someone's got to get rid of that one. They got rid of Mars Hill and that guy. Anytime there's like a celebrity church, instantly yeah. they should shut it down. Like, you know, yeah. it's, oh, that's, you know it's bad. That's what Donald Trump should do, man. Start a church. Tax exempt. Yeah, that'd be so successful, dude. Like, the obvious thing for him to do is start a media network, but he should actually start, like, a chain of churches. 
You should start a band. <laughs> you should start Speaking a punk of. band. Well, we all remember what Amanda Palmer said. Oh, <laughs> good segue. Yeah, the Donald Trump era is going to lead to a, an explosion in punk rock, specifically from Donald Trump, the individual. My Yeah. <laughs> My favorite, I'm just going to find my favorite quote from that uh, article that came out the week after Donald Trump won the election. Here we go. This is Amanda Palmer in The Guardian, 2016, talking about how uh, music is going to get a lot better. Being an optimist, there is this part of me, especially having studied Weimar Germany extensively, where I'm like, this is our moment. Donald Trump is going to make punk rock great again. We are all going to crawl down staircases into basements and speakeasies and make amazing satirically political art. If the political climate keeps getting uglier, the art will have to answer. We will have to fight. It's already happening. The artists in my tribes have been like, all right, this is not good. We are sharpening our knives for a large buffet. She's optimistic, all right. She listens to the playback of her new album and says, I can put this out. Exactly. People yeah, are like she's this. Definitely optimistic. She's not yeah. someone who doubts herself yeah. a lot. Yeah. She said, I'm curious. I mean, I'm not I'm not willing to actually take the time to listen to it, but did she make any songs about Trump in the last four years? I don't think so. But she did uh oh. she did move to Australia as soon as he got elected. Um which is cool. Um yeah. I really don't like have any this. stupid conservative heads of state over there. Yeah, totally right. I really like the thing about Weimar Germany, though, because it's like I have studied Weimar Germany a lot and nothing that happened afterwards. Like what what yeah. <laughs> what historical event happened in Germany after the Weimar period ended? What followed it? I can't remember. Something happened. Doesn't matter. Cabaret, cabaret baby. It also didn't work. It totally like the didn't stuff work. they did in yeah, Weimar exactly. to satirically protest Hitler did not fucking work. No, and in fact, all of all of those artists were and that and that art movement was like a huge plank of national socialism's like uh, popular appeal was just like we need to crush degenerate art. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need. Yeah, they made a lot of. Uh, they made some pretty crappy art. <laughs> they, they got everybody <laughs> riled up about it. It's not going to crush itself. Yeah, that's right. In Amanda Palmer's defense, I did write basically that same article for my high school newspaper in like the year early 2001 about George W. Bush. <laughs> and that I was, was like, true. I was like, yo, check this out. Like we got at the drive in now. Like this is going to be cool. Yeah. But Patrick, in your defense, I mean, high school, you were in high school. Right. She's a grown, she's a grown adult and presumably a, so are the people at the Atlantic. Yeah. And also at the drive-in was cool. They yeah, did. They exactly. definitely rocked. Even though they hung out with Beto O'Rourke. That's not very cool. Yeah. That is not cool at all. <laughs> Which was my favorite uh, Trump tweet when Beto dropped out of the Democratic primary and Trump said, poor, sad Beto just dropped out after he told Vanity Fair that he was born to do it. I don't think so. <laughs> if I were Trump, I would put, I would pivot to stand up, go on tour with like Louis C.K. Yeah, exactly. Dude. Maybe you can try out for the Mars Volta. <laughs> Better luck next time. Bye bye. 
Now, I'm with Patrick on that, though, of I think Trump needs to open a chain of churches and then tour those churches doing his stand-up with Louis C.K. Yeah, roasting all of his, uh, doing all his favorite roasts. He can go after Graydon Carter. Uh, yeah, yeah. The encore is just classic tweets, just read verbatim. Sissy Graydon Carter has a problem. His Vanity Fair after party is no longer hot. You should do a tour with Penis CK. I loved when he, he was giving his speech at West Point and he was like, yeah, we got this coronavirus, you know, COVID-19. Can somebody tell me what's with the 19? Where'd they get the 19 from? <laughs> 19. Somebody tell me. I didn't even know Have about, you heard about this. What happened to COVID-18? What's next, COVID-20? What's next, Mambo number six? Are you kidding me? I wonder if Jerry Seinfeld voted for Donald Trump. I feel like he could have. I don't think he uh, voted. Yeah, I don't think he voted yeah, that's, either. That's probably a good guess, yeah. I love Seinfeld, but he does seem a little bit out of touch. A little. Yeah, because he likes doing the What is the deal thing? at the airports when you get on your private jet, the bag of peanuts? <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. Rich the lot, the wait time. I'm cars. on the tarmac at the FBO for an hour. <laughs> Get me Rich. on that plane. That's it. Like Seinfeld. Like Seinfeld in his peak was insanely funny. But the thing he does in the last five years is like, why are kids on campuses so sensitive? What's up with PC culture these days? You know. Yeah, well, even Mr. Bean is doing that bit now. Yes. <laughs> well, he's Not a fucking mi- idiot. <laughs> How am I supposed to trust yeah. Mr. Bean? Yeah, have you ever seen him uh, try to walk? It's insane. <laughs> he can't do anything. He can't even speak. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Bean spoke his first words, and it's condemning cancel culture. <laughs> <laughs> what? Are, what? Are, I wonder what Wallace and Gromit have to say. <laughs> they're both. They're both transphobes. Yeah, probably. God, I, uh, I had a seventh grade teacher who would make us watch Wallace and Gromit whenever she ran out of material. Oh, God. What class was that for? Like math Science. Yes. <laughs> cool. I guess they go to the moon. That's science. Yeah, where it's made of cheese or whatever? Yeah, that's not science. That's well, on, beh- on behalf of the British comedy community, I do want to say that I think cancel culture is absolutely fabulous. <laughs> if it means fewer British people in the media, that's all good. You see some of these buildings that Trump's put up in New York City? Talk about some faulty towers. Ooh. Hey. Ooh. hey. Just riffing. <laughs> this is the kind of riffing we do now, Dan. We used to bust out the rock riffs on stage. I know. Now we got to do the yeah, comedy you've... riffs. It's, uh, it's an adjustment. Fuck. You're a natural podcaster, though, Patrick. You, you killed that one. With, oh, what, the Faulty Towers thing? Yeah. yeah. Great thank delivery. you. Thank you. That's going on my reel for sure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you could open for Trump at his uh, chain of churches where he's doing comedy. I would rather open for uh, Toby Keith at one of his uh, I Love This Bar and Grill franchise. Oh, yeah. They they closed the only one that was here in, like, the Chicago suburbs. Toby Keith, like, you know, say what you want about his, uh, his music and his politics. But, like, he was pretty smart in that he opened that, that chain of uh, bar and grills, bars and grills. And then he had his own record label and he would send the artists on the label out to tour America appearing exclusively at Toby Keith. I love this bar and grill. So that's like really smart vertical integration. It's brilliant. That's uh, that's like a Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville move, you know? Yeah, that's great. There was uh, some years ago when Billy Ray Cyrus put out an album 
where it was available exclusively at Old Country Buffet for the first like week or two. Yes. I love the idea of putting out a record that's available for the first month at like Waffle House or, you know. The well, they, they they used to have Waffle House records that we, they would we, do special oh, songs right. that in would just, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, she, yeah. Put, she puts raisins in my toast was one song. And they, but kind, now, of veered, they kind of veered between country and like uh, R&B, right? Like there were, there were sort of two settings for the Waffle House jukebox. I'm looking at this now. This is weird. I didn't know about this. There are raisins in my toast. Copyright 1996 Waffle Music. It's sad, though, now, because when you go to, like, when Titus Andronicus used to go on the road a lot in the South, we would always want to go to Waffle House. But, like, then now they only have, like, the Touch Tunes jukeboxes. Oh, so, like, the, yeah. wa- the Waffle House records or Waffle Records catalog is, like, basically out of print, I guess. Well, what I would say about Waffle Records is, Patrick, if you had signed a record deal with Waffle Records, you probably could have talked them into owning your master. Yeah, I would have. I would have had them back now. Their standard like five year licensing arrangement. Yeah, exactly, Mm -hmm. man. You could release a box set, you know, through Numero or something. (laughs) The complete Titus Andronicus Waffle Records years. Or actually, maybe there's still time to sign with Waffle Records now. I don't know if it still exists, but... I would call that compilation, like, the Sweet Years or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Sweet would be just spelled out in uh, syrup on a on a giant waffle. Yes. If We've only, got... you know, if only I, I knew back then what I know now. Should have gone full <laughs> Waffle House. There's a... There's a song on Waffle House Records called Waffle House Steaks and another song called They're Cooking Up My Order. <laughs> I should hope so. Yeah. I'm reading I mean, this. we all, we all know that so feeling. Weird. You know, you're at Waffle House. The and order like, is oh. in. You, can, you see them. You see the grill. You're like, those are my hash browns. They're, they're doing I it. I imagine, though, uh, they're cooking up my order was the A side and the very plaintive B side was they're not cooking up my order. <laughs> they forgot my order. Yeah. They, they dropped it on the floor. That's why they don't play those <laughs> right songs in front anymore. Of me. Yeah. The songwriting team got into anti-Waffle House songs. Yeah. Summarily <laughs> dropped. Well, the, the, the songwriting staff tried to unionize and they all got laid off. Yeah, exactly. It was like a Tin Pan Alley kind of thing where there was just like some guys in a building somewhere churning these things out. Yeah. All right, fellas, said, let's it, write some hits. But it wasn't the Brill building. It was the Grill building. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Damn, so if you're they knew about this. that, they would have done that. They didn't think yeah, of it. That's true. <laughs> I imagine at the Grill building, there was basically like a, a Lou Reed kind of guy before he got found, you know? Doing uh, Waffle House songs with his guitar tuned to every string is D. He was imagine... killed ahead of his time in a Waffle House brawl at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I'm imagining the grill building just being a like a, a a soundproofed utility closet in the back of a GameStop in a strip mall with like eight guys crowded inside of it. Or maybe it's just under a Waffle House and they have like a triple level sub basement where they lock away. <laughs> These song monkeys. <laughs> they drop a cold waffle down the slot. They all they all fight over it. <laughs> it is a uh, it's a great restaurant though. 
So the songs aren't all that popular. By Waffle House's count, they only got 1% of all plays last year. But Shelby White, the head of Waffle Records, says she's happy with that figure. We're not trying to get played on the radio. If it, it would be funny if they were. <laughs> if anyone wants to play it, that's great. But it's all about inside the restaurant. So yeah, if no every shit. time it plays one time, that's just one more time that we're extending the Waffle House experience. So they're aware that no one listens to it. Is Waffle Records on Spotify? <laughs> Probably. Waffle Records is more of a cult imprint. You know, we don't we don't go for the yeah. pop stuff. We're not trying to get on the billboard charts, but the heads know. You think that there's a guy on uh on Discogs that's like trying to sell like a complete Waffle Records 45 RPM single collection. Yes, 100%. R- rated <laughs> all rated VG+. Plus. But it's CD singles. It's 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 just 150 CD singles. Okay, I just actually looked them up on Spotify, and they are there, but they don't have that big of a following. Huh. Waffle House Records, uh, 855 monthly listeners. Whoa! And there are raisins in my toast is their number one track, but it only has 19,000 listens. On Sad. Discogs, there are raisins in my toast has been sold for 22.99 at the highest. The last one was <laughs> for September 21, uh, 2020. So there's an active Damn. market for Waffle House 45s. And they're what, like 2,000% face value now? Pretty Waffle, good. Could, Waffle House, like, is, or Waffle Records is waiting for like an Alan Lomax type figure to come <laughs> along. Or like a Mississippi <laughs> Records, like, reissuing the complete. Waffle Records, 1990 to 96. That's what I'm saying. Lighten the, Light uh, the Attic needs to get in here and put out like yeah, exactly, a, yeah, a, reprint, a $200 like a whole quadruple disc set. <laughs> like new liner notes from the owner of uh, Waffle House. Yeah. I have a, I'm, I'm in possession of a mint Waffle House Records 001 78 RPM lacquer. <laughs> The or actually, I have the acetate test pressing of like the outtakes and alternate versions. <laughs> I'm asking fifty grand because I want to buy my own Waffle House franchise. It would be fun to do a Kevin Shields thing and spend so long mixing a Waffle House track <laughs> that it bankrupts you Waffle bankrupt House. It. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the the fifth most popular Waffle Records song on Spotify is called uh, 844,739 Ways to Eat a Hamburger. Oh, yeah. Name them all. That's a long song. I bet song. they do that. It's a, it's a pretty tight it's only two minutes, minutes and long. 57 seconds. Yeah. No way they can name all of those. Well, some have just got to be minor variations, you know? Who's getting a hamburger at Waffle House anyway? Yeah, yeah not that's me. psycho shit. I just I I cut it off at just I get one waffle because it's a waffle house, you know. Eating anything just, else there seems weird. You just get the single waffle. That's it. That's it. I like that. Well, though. I feel like any breakfast item is game. It's just the burger that's weird because it's not a breakfast item, you know. Well, you could have that. I mean, you could have a breakfast burger. Well, if you've spent any time down south, you know that like Waffle House after dark is like a serious scene, like. It gets it gets wild. Like I've seen it on YouTube. It's like it's like Baghdad in two thousand four. <laughs> the people down there that it's like that's like part of their routine. Like after they get out of the nightclub, like they go to Waffle House. 
soak up all the cavassier with like a a waffle, I guess. Or some hash browns. There's a song too, Waffles and Cavassier. Well, that's the problem is like they're stuck. You know, they're like frozen in time. Like they need like some young rappers from like Atlanta to like, you know, bring back waffle records in like push a the more, more relevant way. Because they could talk about that. There's plenty of rap songs that talk about uh, Waffle House. And they speak about it like that. That's where they go after the club. So, like, it's still super relevant. And the chain, last I checked, was doing great. Like, I haven't been to Waffle House country in several months. But last time I checked, like, they're doing awesome. They're like a cornerstone of the communities in which these franchises operate. So seems like a really uh, missed opportunity that Waffle Records yeah. is sitting on to like rebrand. There's some uh, negligence at the head of Waffle Records. We need, to, we need to buy the record label and just do it ourselves. I do wonder how long it would take to like r- climb the ladder at Waffle Records. Like back at times <laughs> when Titus Andronicus's career hasn't been going so good, I think about like the Insane Clown Posse record label (laughs) psychopathic records and i wonder like if i did a rap album with like a clown evil clown theme and like symbolism (laughs) like could i get signed over there like what (laughs) what do their advances look like compared to like merge records (laughs) is it a profit is it a profit sharing split uh based on hash browns or how how long is this uh me and my friend Liam, who plays the guitar in Titus Andronicus, we had a plan to do like an insane clown posse type rap group with like a leprechaun theme. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like a House of Pain meets uh, Juggalo thing. Right. But we're like we're taking a lot of cues from like the leprechaun series of horror movies because they, oh, yeah. they do like yeah, a yeah, horror yeah. theme over there. And it was, but like we're right, we're like regular height though. Like leprechauns are are quite are quite short, so it was going to be called like BLG, Big Leprechaun Gang, was the <laughs> was the plan. And like rapping like an Irish accent, um, a lot of like limericks in the rap verses, I guess. Were you self consciously a competitor to ICP? Like in in my fantasy of getting signed to Psychopathic Records, or in my real life career. Uh, no, in your real life career as the Big Leprechaun Gang. Uh, well, that's not a real that's not a real career. Like we never we never did that. Well, I think it should be like you could start right now from home. You know, you don't even need to go to the studio to get that album going. Yeah, yeah you're not that's on tour true. now. It's another one of those things that we're gonna look back on like this whole pandemic crisis and be like, I had all the time in the world. Like, why didn't I do that Leprechaun rap album? That Leprechaun rap album is just tears and rain, man. It's, You're going to get a vision of the future where if you had did that, you would be president. And that would be, a, that, would be a, that would be a really good stepping stone to my stand-up career as well. Yes. President to stand-up, <laughs> very common move. Donald Trump should do that. He loves being on stage. He loves riffing in front of the mic. Exactly. That's what we're saying. The presidents are, are rarely very funny. He was the funniest president. Like, you have to give him that. Like, he was horrible. Yeah. Evil. Despicable guy, but he was he was the funniest, best poster, funniest president. All of his positive attributes are only funny if he has no power. But when he has power, he's just like an atrocious human being. Right, like when he was just a guest on the Howard Stern show. Yeah, he was was great. Or on Letterman, 
Like that was fantastic. He should have just been a fashion columnist. Yes. <laughs> well, he's got plenty of time now to pursue all these things. What is he doing now? I don't know. I need Trump news. I know, dude. Well, I'll tell you, it's like after the election, I actually got like pretty down and like didn't know what to do with myself. Like even though it went the way I hoped that it would, because like I had given so much of my mental energy over the previous four years to like following this, you know, ongoing nightmare of a story. And then it was just over. And it's like, what am I going to do with myself now? Like I've got like whole half my whole day. That's like now just empty. I think the answer is big leprechaun gang. Yeah. And this Joe Biden guy's not doing it. Like if you saw in the news today, like they're trying to get a scandal going because he has a nice watch. He wore a, a Rolex <laughs> at the inauguration. And that's what we're talking about. Biden, Biden is going to end up doing incredibly shitty things, uh, but none of them will be funny. So, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's, but I think the good thing about Biden is that no one believes in him like they believed in Obama. Yeah. Like, I'm happy that no one thinks he's going to do anything good. When you're already disillusioned with the president on day one, it's much easier to not get your hopes up, I guess. Yeah, no lower doing expectations. The thing like last time where it was like, yeah. Obama's second term, he's going to go off the rails. He's yeah, the FDR yeah. too. Did nothing of the kind. Exactly. That's one thing right. I'm really looking forward to is like back in the Trump era, you couldn't hardly say like neither of these parties care about the working person. Like they all just work for the capitalist party. They only protect business interests. Like they're not that different. But then every, you know, of course, everybody would say like, oh, they're so different. And they they were in a lot of ways. But like the Democrats, you know, as much as they've been disempowered, like they've had it too good for too long in another way. Cause like they seem like such saints and like they really care about yeah. people when of course they don't. And they are just trying to pr protect uh, capitalist interests, but, especially Joe Biden, like get out of here. I yeah. think, I mean, maybe, maybe I like just hang out with people who already agree with what I think. And that's why I think this, but I really do think that more people agree with you about that now than they did in the Obama years though. Like, the Trump years actually did make more people realize the Democrats suck too, right? Because it's like what they were offering against Donald Trump was complete bullshit too, right? Like, I think it was pretty eye-opening for a lot of people. I hope so. Yeah, the stuff about negotiating with Republicans and bipartisanship, a lot more people are skeptical of that than there used to be. Yeah, and even Chuck Schumer right now is like not willing to agree with McConnell to uh, preserve the filibuster, so... Even that's like some kind, even if like it's just like for show, that's still kind of a development, right? Yeah. Yeah. At least they're like taking advantage of it. Yeah. They're I'm not trying to sound optimistic. Bit. I just think more people are correctly pessimistic now, which is kind of a reason for optimism. Yeah. You, yeah. You definitely don't have to explain to people that Obama isn't actually going to do anything anymore. Yeah. Just like, yeah, that's Joe Biden. He's going to. Come on, man. Come on, man. Now here's the deal. There's no going to be any more malarkey. Yeah. Many shenanigans. There hasn't been any malarkey for the last two days. Haven't seen any. We are in a post-malarkey era at last. I think we did it. <laughs> yeah, we have left the malarkey behind. I had to, like, I had to stay mostly off the internet during the inauguration just because of the 
sort of insane projection that was going on from like centrist liberal voices. I, I, I it was just like verging on fan fiction. It was very, very hard to read. <laughs> it was like uh, British people when there's a, a diamond jubilee. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. Where are the sex pistols when you need them, huh? Uh, supporting Trump. <laughs> yeah, were they performing at the inauguration? They should get public image limited. I'll tell you what, I saw the Sex Pistols reunion, their second reunion when I was like 15. It is the worst concert I ever went to in my entire life. Oh, I bet <laughs> cool. it, I it was. Bet horrible. It was and, I lo- and I love the Sex Pistols. It, John, Johnny uh, Ron, so Johnny Ron was up there dressed like Vanilla Ice. Like he's, it was bizarre. <laughs> like he had like a, a shiny like track suit, but like very baggy, like an MC Hammer kind. Of, <laughs> he may have had he may have had like some sort of flat top as well. Did he <laughs> have dreads like, on that? Did he have dreads on that tour? I can't it was remember, dreads like, or it was cornrows or like frosted tips or like he was doing something. <laughs> this was like before the butter commercial. And he rocks. Like, yeah. Cornrows with frosted tips is a really funny idea. One of the smartest guys of all time. One of the most feared men in the halls of power. <laughs> The British royal family, they, they're quaking in their boots when they think yeah, about Yeah, if him. I was the queen, I'd be terrified. Dude. Yeah. The first man ever to say she's bad. Boy, that never mind the bollocks, though. Like, it uh, still sounds great. Great record. I was I was cautiously optimistic about the Public Image Limited uh, reunion for, like, a second, but then I saw some footage of it, and, and not great. <laughs> Not They're good. getting up there. I found uh, I found the tweet that drove me off the internet on Augura- inauguration day. Can I read it to you guys? It's, Please, it's, yeah. fucking, it's fucking horrible. All right, ready? All right. If you if you listen closely, you can hear the sound of pussies wetting for the first time in four years. No, you can't. That, that's pretty gross. Fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand likes. For Joe Seeing Biden. The inauguration. <laughs> All from men. I saw some pretty bad shit, but nothing that bad. That was the like, worst one I could find. The other bad one was was some uh like a blue check uh journalist for CNN um with a picture of the helicopter leaving the White House. And the tweet was something like, You hear that? That's the sound of America exhaling. We can finally relax. And it's just like, cool, racism is solved. Great. All this stuff is still happening. Way to go, guy. Yeah, fuck you, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Back, that's just another take on the uh, we can go back to brunch mentality. Right. Back yeah. to business as usual, and we can just drone strike the Middle East all day long. And Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, and they did. They That was the other funny thing is the, uh, they did go back to business as usual because Biden, in his first day in office, recognized Juan Guaido as the president of Venezuela. Oh, man, that's so fucking funny. But what's even more funny is that coincided with uh, the Venezuelan government petitioning to uh, remove funds from this bank in the UK, you know, because they're heavily sanctioned, right? Yeah. Remove funds from the bank in the UK to buy coronavirus vaccines, which Juan Guaido then vetoed because he is the United States, Canada recognizes him as the de facto president. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah. Business as usual. Can't they find another guy? 
that that guy is Trump again. Trump is kind of right about this, but Guaido is the fucking Beto O'Rourke of uh, the global south. Yeah, no one likes him. He's not popular there. Find a different guy. Find like yeah, the that's biggest, probably, strongest guy in Venezuela. Broadly speaking, that's probably a good point of, about a lot of like these kind of U.S. like imperial interventions is that the person we choose to be like the new leader for some other country is usually someone who appeals to like shitty U.S. technocrats. Ahmed Absolutely. Fucking uh, Alexei Navalny. Yeah, exactly. Chalabi. Alexei Navalny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always just... That guy's like, obsessed with being poisoned. Yeah, he That's sure... That's all he cares uh, about. Alexei Navalny, a guy uh, who U.S. liberals love, who famously called people from the Caucasus cockroaches. Very this cool. Where, this is where I'm taking my bathroom break, I think. Yeah, right. I don't know what none of y'all are talking about. I thought this was like a rock and roll thing. Well, you know what? I mean, we could we could wrap it up though. Here, we've been going for a while. You know, I don't know, like uh, Patrick. I feel like we uh, we solved something for you here. There, you need to sign to Waffle Records at the soonest possible chance. With my Leprechaun um, uh, project, yes. yeah, your Leprechaun project. You're gonna take the rap world by storm. You're gonna overtake ICP. And it's going to be like a whole new world for you. So that's a great idea. Hey, Dan, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to say this, uh, you and for the benefit of your listeners, you know, uh, you and I, uh, haven't known each other for very long, but we met about like 13, 14 months ago. You remember this? Yeah. Yeah, doing uh, Doing the clash, uh, the London calling. benefit. Yeah. That our, that our mutual friend, Howard Billerman set up. That guy Fabulous that we all guy. love. Best guy around. Tried to get him on the podcast, and he was too busy. No, that's, that's how weird, popular he is. He's not, he hasn't been too busy lately to help try and help me figure out how I'm going to get a uh, reliable power source for my Rockman X100. Very interesting. That's, that's but, interesting. Uh, uh, that's Tom not, Scholes? Yeah, that's right. I just bought his, uh, his X100 headphone amp. But the problem is it takes eight uh, eight AA batteries. Oh, so How- yeah. Howard has been helping me out trying to, because you can't find the, the original power source anymore because it's like 30 years old. So Howard's been helping me to workshop a lot of different uh, strategies for how we might power this unit reliably without the, uh, the batteries. I used to have one of those. I bought that, it because the they X100? used it on... Uh, Def Leppard so. Hysteria? Yeah, Def Leppard Hysteria. That's why I bought it. Well, because I, I mean, I was interested that in Rockman. Yes. Well, um, I was interested in Rockman already because Boston, you know, like that first Boston album is like as good as it gets, as far oh, as yeah. I'm concerned. Especially with like the the guitar tones and like the whole the whole thing. But then when I found oh, yeah. out that Def Leppard had used it on Hysteria, I was like, that's it. Because like that record, even though it's overly long and redundant. Like it does sound fantastic. Side but anyway, two's got they, some filler on it, but, but you side gotta, one, yeah, side two, but yes, but side hits. one, side one, like the first like six songs, are like really all the way Pure up gold. through uh, Armageddon. It is like wow, it's like you know, it's just, it's a bloodbath. You know, it's Patrick, crazy. You, you gotta you gotta do the Mutt Lang trick though, where you every chord you record each individual string. Is that so? That sounds challenging. Yeah, it's very, yeah. <laughs> very time consuming. Well, anyway, I just bring it up because, uh, Dan, it was really fun playing with you in that cover band. And uh, it was 
a really illuminating treat for me, particularly, you know, as someone who's followed your music career for a long time now, to get to hear you uh, singing in front of like a, uh, I don't want to call it like a regular band, but like a, <laughs> you don't as you know, you don't have too many records where it's like you fronting a like guitar, bass, drums like band. Yeah, that was that was some of the most fun I had until you know the pandemic, like before the pandemic happened. But that that whole period of like rehearsing and it was. So the band was me, Patrick, Howard, and Tim from Arcade Fire. And yeah, just playing in a rock band, uh, I, I really miss that. Because you, really, you don't really have any records like that, right? Because even like the Wolf Parade records, I've got all like that squiggly wiggly stuff. Yeah, yeah. The Wolf Parade stuff is is definitely like prog meets that format, you know? So, and like, then, on, beh- on behalf of your fans around the globe, like, do you think that, you know, perhaps somewhere down the line you might think about doing a record without, like, like just with, like, a standard, I don't want to say standard, but, like, you know, traditional rock band configuration with, like, a bass Two player guitars, and everything? Just, just rocking? Just yeah, rocking. I would, I would love to do that. I've been, uh, I've been kind of fantasizing about that uh, the last couple of months just because... You know, you think about what's what's the what do people react to the most when you get on stage, and the answer is rocking. You know, and yes. what rock what rocks the most? Drums, bass, guitar, and another guitar playing up high, and somebody singing. That's it, and that and of course, like don't take don't get me wrong. Like we all love like all the bleep bloop records that you've made, but you're that seems to be like a uh, an an a void in your catalog for like a record such as this. So, you know, on behalf of your audience, I think that there's, there's an appetite for that. And I think you owe it to your audience to do like at least one, right? There is, there is a big guitar shaped hole, you know? So, well, I mean, you play the guitar and everything, but like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. There's a rock shaped hole. I mean, your your music is about just rocking too. I mean, this heart's on fire. You got the sometimes we rock and roll line, but you need a whole song about rock. <laughs> yeah, I need to take that line and extend it for the duration of an entire song. I, I <laughs> should make some you know, ACDC like rappers, songs. Rappers will have a line, and then they make the line into the hook of the next single. You should just have a whole song that's like sometimes we rock and roll. Wait, sometimes who does we that? rock and roll. Rappers love doing like Salt Shaker was a line, and then Ying Yang Twins made it their like single. You know. <laughs> Dan, Patrick, I don't, I don't think any, I, like I don't hook. think anybody's saying that your music doesn't rock. Of course, it rocks a lot. No, no, but no. There's I get just what, you I get know, what you're you, you are in a very unique position amongst uh, rock stars at your level. That you know, there isn't really a record like that. Most of most rock stars like you or me, most of their records are that way. You don't have a record like that. So like, that's that's like a pretty advantageous position, if you ask me. You gotta, you gotta come back once this is over. You gotta come back up here. We gotta get together with the Billerman, and we gotta make this a reality. This is, this is what, this is what I'm thinking. This is why I came on this Google Hangout on a fucking Friday night when you, <laughs> you think I'm such a fucking loser. That I got nothing better to do. <laughs> hey, you want to do a podcast about Friday night at nine o'clock? Wait, you're what not, did you? You're not Patrick, having sex and doing drugs or driving a fast car. Why don't you do a podcast? What did you, you can cancel? Do drugs and podcast. 
What did you cancel to do this? I'd like to cancel you right about now. I'm Mr. Bean. (laughs) (laughs) What didn't I cancel? The things I would be doing right now. Oh, the things I'd be doing. If not, if not for you, you meddling podcasters. Yeah. Probably be turned up to 11 right now. He had to turn down to a normal volume to podcast with this podcast. Well, you know, like we said, sometimes we rock and roll. Sometimes we stay at home and remotely record a podcast. Yeah, this is one of those times. So, yeah, thanks for being here, Patrick. Yeah, thanks for... It is my pleasure, and I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity. I would have been doing something cooler than this, it's true, but... uh, But I had to ju- I had to just get here and, and put a bug in your ear, Dan, about that about that rock record. I'm I'm listening. I'm listening to the bug. This land is your land. This land